Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. I hope everybody is well. We're going to literally crack on. Um, simply because we're going to try and wrap this up today. We've got a bit to cover. We'll go absolutely as far as we can. Um, the, last two, the last two meetings have been fun. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, so what we'll do, we'll say a prayer. I'll do a very short recap, and then we will go on. So grab a nice drink, settle down. Um, I hope everybody is well, and let's pray. Father Almighty God, tonight we come before you. Most of all, not only that are you glorified and that you're kind, but we ask, oh Lord, you make the Bible simple. Make it simple enough to be unforgettable so that whatever we learn today, oh Lord, we can't forget because it will change our lives. We ask, oh Lord, that in your kindness and in your mercy, that you cause your word to become a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. But most of all, let it remove all confusion. Let it make the most difficult of challenges simple. Because you are simple. Father Almighty God, we thank you and we bless you. We are totally dependent upon your Holy Spirit. And we ask this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Amen. So what we're going to do, ladies and gentlemen, we've had three good weeks. Um, two good weeks. And so we're going to go to, to, to week three and we're going to try and wrap this up. And so today, one of the biggest, not, no, 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 I, I take that back. One of the challenges people face um, are, or the question they face is very simple, is that how do I know that I have faith and I'm not standing on something that is completely, something that looks like it, but it's not it. Because if you are standing on anything apart from faith, you can't expect the same results that faith promises. And so one of, the great, one of the most important things you can do is to identify that, am I standing in faith? And there are identifying marks, and this is how we're going to do it. This is one of the, one of the fun things about study in the Bible, we're going to have a look at all the times Jesus pointed out and said, this is faith. Each one of those, that he did it eight times, each one of those um, points out something that we need to remember. Well, he did it actually nine, more than that. Um, and one of the things that we need to identify, so it's almost like we're going to run through a checklist. And so there's seven questions that we're going to try and answer. And if you can answer all of them honestly, it will remove, by God's special grace, the majority of the confusion around, am I standing in faith or not? And that's what we're going to try and do today. Know what we're building on. We're building on what is faith. That's what we looked at week one. And the works of faith. How does faith work? And we looked at that last week and we realized that faith on our insides will produce words, thoughts, and actions. We spoke about that last week. And we spoke about the fact that faith in its simplest terms is confidence in God, confidence in who he says he is, what he says he can and will do, and his willingness to do that on our behalf. And so we realize this is where we are. So today we're going to hopefully make it nice and practical. So let's jump right in. Question number one that we have to answer. And um, let me see if I can make this a little easier. Let me just rearrange my world a little bit. And so the first question is, if you have a look at the chat, I'll put the questions there. Is this something that God has promised 
to do, has done before, or is willing to do. So question number one is that. And so that's the first question we're going to have to ask. And now let's put it in context. So, and we're going to go quite fast. So that's the question we're going to try and answer. That is this something that God has promised to do, has done before, or is willing to do? And so when we're looking at faith, and we'll look at a variety of um, questions. So let's have a look at one of them. And the one we're going to look at, the story we're going to look at today is Mark 5. Uh, 25 to 34, okay? Mark 5, 25 to 34. Now, that is the story of the woman with the issue of blood. Um, and it's interesting. So Mark 5, verse 25 to 34, I'll read. And I'm going to read from, I'll read from the Bible in basic ink. Actually, no, 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 I won't. I will read from the modern King James because a lot of people will have that. It's easy to follow. And I'm going to read from 24, and I'm going to get to verse 25 to verse 34. And a certain woman had an issue of blood 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and had not been bettered, but rather came to worse. And having heard about Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may but touch only his clothes, I will be cured. Verse 29, and instantly the fountain of her blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Knowing instantly within himself that power had gone out of him, Jesus turned himself around in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing on you and do you say who touched me? Verse 32, and he looked around to see how I had done this thing. But the woman fearing and trembling knowing what had been done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Verse 34, and he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be whole from your plague. So this is a story of the woman with the issue of blood. Absolutely lovely story. There are lots of things we could pick out in there, but we're only aiming to identify things that will help us identify whether we are not on whether we are or are not standing in faith. And this is the first thing we want to remember, is this. Faith always confronts a problem that only God can solve. Now, that in itself is, is two ways. It's a problem that only God can solve. And so we realize, if you look at this, the Bible says in verse 26, that she had suffered many things of many physicians. When the Bible says suffered, it means willingly gone through. And she had spent all of her money and they had not been able to make her better. And she actually came out worse. And so I want you to remember this. One of the key things about it is this. It's a problem that God, only God can solve. And so this is one of the key things you want to remember. And so let me explain what I mean. That means either by the choices you've made, by a decision that you've made in that you're asking God to do something to open a space in an industry or you're open God, asking God to open a space in a company or you're asking God to cause someone to favor you in an interview. Those are things that only God can do. Since you cannot force anybody to like you, you cannot force anybody. I'll, I'll give you an example in a moment. The second thing is what you are asking for is of and in itself impossible. Now, let me give you an example for the first one. We, we live, where we live right now, we moved to this street and we were renting a house at the end of the street and we said, we like it. But there weren't any houses to rent on our street. And so we started praying. And it was like, Lord, what do we do? So we started, you know, prayer walking the street and we started praying. And this is how faith functions. All of a sudden, the Lord said, rather than praying for someone to move pray for me to bless someone and bless them in such a way and this is where the beautiful thing about it is we said and we we prayed it for months we said lord bless somebody on our street that they will have to move suddenly 
We're not asking you to do them any harm. Let them be promoted. Let them win the lottery. Let them, but Lord, bless them. And when they bless them, they'll move out and we will be able to rent the house or buy the house that they're in. Um, and we prayed that for, for days. To cut a long story short, a house appeared up on our, on our street. Um, God orchestrated that we saw it first. We went to go and see the estate agent. We eventually got the house. And interestingly, I was speaking to the gentleman who was, who was doing the walk around before we walk in the house. And then I asked him, I said, how come this house is empty? He said, oh, the person who used to live here got a promotion and had to move beyond Newcastle. And he had to move suddenly. I started smiling. Ladies and gentlemen, you cannot make that happen. So the first thing about faith is this. Ask yourself a question. Is this something that God has promised to do? Is this something that God has done before? Or is it something that God is willing to do by virtue of his nature and his character? And what you'll begin to realize is you will find that when you line up your requests like that, you know that you're standing in faith because God says, I will do this. Like God will say, I will heal you. Um, Isaiah 53, reading from verses four and five. Or God says, I will direct you, Psalms 32, verse eight. But what, you, what it is, is this is something that only God can do, especially when you're dealing with things of tomorrow. And the, last, the second thing I want to talk about is that what you are asking for is, is and of itself impossible. And I just want to drop this in. Please remember, God thrives in the realm of the impossible. And this is one of the beautiful things about faith. God says of himself, Genesis 18 verse 14, is there anything too hard or too wonderful for the Lord? And the answer is actually no. And so one of the key things that you want to check is this, am what I asking God for, is it something he has promised to do? Is it something he has done before? Or is it something he's willing to do? And all of a sudden you will begin to realize that you will be able to confront whatever you're confronting with an assurance that you know what, God is willing to do this on my behalf. So that's the first question you've got to answer. If you're facing something, remember, Faith will always confront a problem that is impossible. This is something that only God can do. When you find yourself there, you are comfortable in the fact that God, I am asking you to do something that I know you will do. So that's the first question we've got to answer. So let's have a look at the second question. And so if you look, now let me wrap up the story with the woman with the issue of blood. Hopefully you're following along a little bit. Now, that lady was facing an impossible situation. She heard, we've talked about this before. She heard about Jesus and then she said repetitively what she wanted to happen. And that's where you, you begin to realize there's an element of prayer. I'll go through it again. Studying the Bible is reading, studying, meditating, and then declaring, saying about yourself what the Bible says. Those are the wonderful things that happen. Jesus says that your faith made you whole because she realized I'm confronting, I'm confronted by a situation that is impossible and I'm going to go and find the person for whom they say this is not a problem. Okay, so that's the first question. So let's get to the second question. I have, I've got seven to go through. So if I'm going a little bit fast, that's the reason. The second one is this. Have you believed God's word on the matter? Now, it's actually not difficult to work out whether or not you've believed. And this is key. Let me talk about what belief means. Belief is to accept that something is true with or without requisite evidence. That means you believe something, you accept it as true, with or without evidence. We have spoken about this before. Now, the beautiful thing about this, let me give you the, the key here is very simple. Whenever you believe something, 
you will always be willing to take an action based upon what you believe. Now, the key element, and this is the indicator. So the story here is Mark 2 verses 1 to 12. Mark 2 verses 1 to 12. And I will, I will paraphrase. Um, it's, a, it's a lovely story. Um, so I'm in Mark. So let's go to Mark 2. And it's a lovely story, but I'll paraphrase a little bit. And I'll, I'll read from one. The Bible says, and again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in a house. And immediately many were gathered so that none had none any longer had room even to the door. And he proclaimed the word to them. He preached them. Then they came to him, bringing one who was paralyzed and who was carried by four. That means four men carried a paralyzed man on what would have been a makeshift stretcher or a mat. When they could not enter, and I'm, paraf- I'm, I'm, re- I'm just going to read to verse 5, and then I'll paraphrase the rest. And when they could not come near to him because of the crowd, they unroofed the roof where he was. Now, the Amplified Bible says that beautifully. The Amplified Bible says that they broke up the roof. And verse 4 in the Amplified Bible says this. And when they could not gain could not get him to a place in front of Jesus because of the throng they dug through the roof above him. And when they had scooped out an opening, they let down the thickly padded quilt or mat upon which the paralyzed man lay. I'll I'll keep reading from the Amplified Bible. Verse 5, Amplified Classic. And when Jesus saw their faith, their confidence in God through him, he said, to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven you and are put away. That is, the penalty is remitted, the sense of guilt removed, and you are made upright and in right standing with God. And the story goes on. And then he basically heals the gentleman. Now, I want you to notice. Faith will always. How will you know that you have believed something? It's actually not difficult. The reality is you will always be willing to take an action based upon that belief. Conversely, if you are not willing to take an action, if you're not willing to click send on the application that you've spent a long time filling out, or you are not willing to change, or you're not willing to do what the Bible says, or you're not willing to, it could be anything. Know for a fact, then at that point, you can say, right, I actually am not sure I believe. So let me go back a step. Let me go to the word and let me read, study, meditate, and confess based upon this subject. And then when I'm more confident, when I've got to a place where God, you know what, I actually believe you can do this, take the action. And so you realize that the second question is, have you believed God's word on the matter? Please keep in mind, there is no human malady, subject, or challenge that the Bible does not cover. So there's always a place where you can say, God, in this particular area, no matter how complex, modern, or how challenging, there is a place where you can literally believe God. And so the question is, have I believed the promise? And that means go and find the promise. Go and find out what the Bible says. Use a concordance. Read stories of others. Read books on the subject. But make sure you actually know that, remember, the first one was, is this something God is willing to do? Second one is, Have I believed God's word on the matter? Belief means, am I willing to take an action based upon what I have discovered in the Bible about God's response or intention regarding this particular matter? Okay. Now, the story we saw, the four men demonstrated. And the Bible says, and this is is why this story for me really touches my heart. The Bible said, and Jesus saw their faith. Faith will always produce an action. When you read through Hebrews 11, you will notice 
all the people there listed in the heroes of faith, all of them took an action based upon what they believed. Okay? Are you willing to take an action to do it? Um, I could... I'll, I think that one is good to go. I, I was looking for a nice story, but I, I think that one is good to go. Okay, so let's move to the third question that we have to answer. So the third question that we have to answer is this. Oh, I love this one. The third question that you have to answer is this. Are you holding on to a plan B? Now you may say, but it's practical for me to hold on to a plan B, except for the fact that if God says he will not let you down, then he will not let you down. And there are two characteristics. Now, the story here is blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus' story is in Mark 10, verses 46 to the end. And it's also in Luke 18, 35 to 43. We went through it last week, so I won't go through it today. But then there's one particular thing that Bartimaeus did. When Jesus said, call him and come to me, the Bible says that Bartimaeus cast away his cloak. Remember, he's blind. That means in his mind, if this does not work, I'm not coming back here. The Bible says he casts off his cloak and he literally leaves it. Now, a blind person is never going to find it again. You must realize his confidence was, I do not have anywhere else to go. And so let me give you two characteristics here. The first one is this. Faith in, in and of itself will have two key characteristics. Number one, it will involve desperation and i'll break it down for you desperation means to be reckless or dangerous because of despair or urgency having an urgent need or desire leaving little or no hope very serious or dangerous basically it means if this does not work i have nowhere else to go please remember what we said earlier that God functions on trust. God functions on trust. I'll pick up the questions at the end. So um, I, feel free to put your questions in the chat. The second, so the first thing is desperation. Desperation, it means that, you know what? I am willing to take a risk because I have nowhere else to go. Now, remember, this is not a random risk. This is a commitment to say i will act and pastor Agu used the word beautifully um and he said we have been called to act counterculturally. so i may not have enough for the month and the lord says feed somebody who does share the little that you have that's the kind of risk i'm talking about take a different way to work act differently stop worrying say things differently okay the first thing is desperate and the second thing the second quality is violent now when i say violent violent doesn't mean you're going to take somebody's head off barring barring the devil but anybody else you're not going to take their head off violence means to force that is reflexively to crowd oneself into or to be seized to press in two things i want you to notice and I found this out, and please write this down, and please confirm this in your own study. Number one, none of the miracles that Jesus performed when he says, this is faith, none of them were on his schedule. All of them were interruptions. That means somebody interrupted what he was doing normally because they were desperate. The second thing I want you to realize, none of the miracles that the people received were in their day-to-day -day lives. They stepped out of their day-to-day -day 
to either go and find Jesus. They did something counter-culturally. It was so well put when I heard it. And I, and I thought that I would say, the Bible will cause you to act counter-culturally. We'll come into that in a moment, but this is key. Let me give you an example of desperation and violence. Um, there are a few. Bartimaeus is a great story. Um, the Syrophoenician woman also is a great story. But let me give you a real life story. While I was working, um, I, was, I used to work in information technology and I was coming home through Liverpool Street Station. I got to Liverpool Street Station and I had to take the overland train to get to where I was living. I was living around Forest Gate. So I'll get to Liverpool and I'll take an overland train and it will drop me off at Forest Gate. The unique thing about this particular train was this. You could see platforms 8 to 13 because they're all laid out in the line. There's no barriers in between them. So you can see whatever is happening. This I used to get my train from platform 13. This particular day, I was standing at platform 13. And to be honest, I've never seen this happen before. And I have not seen it happen since. I heard a scream that was loud enough that caused everybody to stop and at about platform seven and eight the trains that used to go a longer journey up to ipswich norwich and places like that i saw a little girl running and she was carrying mcdonald's what had obviously happened was her mother had sent her you know go and grab something for the journey she had bought it there taking a little bit too long and as she got back to the station the train was pulling out she let out a yell everybody in the station stopped but then the most interesting thing i've seen happened the train stopped the train reversed into the platform they opened the doors and they let this child on that ladies and gentlemen is the kind of desperation and violence i am talking about it is god I am not leaving you. You will find this in the book of 2 Kings chapter 4, reading from verses 8 down to about verse 20, 25. It's the story of the Shunammite woman. Her desperation is summed up in one phrase. She says to the man of God, I am not leaving you. The situation I am in requires an answer and i am not going now please understand when we say are we holding on to a plan b it means have we come to a point where we absolutely believe god either by choice or necessity and in that god if it you don't make it happen then whatever happens next i am in your hands if you are still contemplating a, well, you're not God, if you don't do it, I can hustle. If you don't do it, I know a couple of people. If you don't do it, I can do this. In all sincerity, let's clarify. The Bible says you actually, your faith, your confidence in God's ability, your confidence in God's willingness, and your confidence in God's intention to do it to you is shaky. And so you go back a step, read, study, meditate, confess until it gets strong enough. And then we go forward. All right. And so that's question number three that we have to answer. Let's go to question number four. Question number four is, again, are you willing to take an action based upon what you believe? And so we've gone through that. And I'll, and I'll that's question number four. And so with question number four, Let's talk about the kind of action that God wants. And this is key. Every time I found, I'm studying this today, I found this to be true. The number one action that God wants when it comes to you believing him, the number one action is he wants you to translate what you believe into speech, meaning somebody has to say something. Um, you'll find that Mark 11, 22 to 25 is key. Mark 11, 20 to 25 is key. Jesus is speaking, and I'll read. Um, I'll read from 22. And answering, Jesus said to them, have faith in God. 
Then he says, for truly I say to you that whoever say, shall say to this mountain, be moved and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that what he said shall occur, he shall have whatever he said. Therefore, I say to you, all things, whatever you ask praying, believe that you shall receive them and it will be to you. Now, keep this in mind. The number one action that God wants us to take when we believe is when we speak. And I, and I want to point out two things. The first one is about speech. Be brave enough to say in prayer or declaration what God says about the matter. If that's not happening, then go back to the beginning. Because when you believe something, Romans 10 verse 10, the Bible says, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness. And then the follow on in the same verse says, and the mouth for with the mouth, you will confess to salvation. Salvation means to be made whole or to be saved. So keep in mind, the question, the fourth question you need to answer is, Am I willing to take an action based on what I believe? Now, one of the key things is this. Does your faith come out of your mouth, especially when you are challenged? Now, most of us will say, oh, yes, it does. And that's why in, in, so in any situation, let's say somebody asks you in church or somebody asks you on the street or someone asks you in the office, you're comfortable enough after a couple of seconds thought, say, well, you know what? I'm blessed and highly favored. God will do it for me. I believe it. The only challenge is we speak on two levels. Now, this is where I wanted to drive it home. Because sometimes if we don't realize this, that speech is so valuable, you can undo what you are believing by words that you're speaking. But let me show you one. Come with me to Genesis chapter 18. So we can drive this home. It's a fun one. And verse 12, now I'll read, um, I'll read from verse 9. And I'm going to read, yes, I'm going to read a version of the Bible called Young's Literal Translation. It's a translation of the Bible where it's written in English as it would have come out in Amoraic, in Greek. So it, the tenses are a little bit different from English. It's fun to read at times like this. So let me read from 9 to 13. So imagine you're at the Shakespeare or, or you're at the opera. So that, that's how we're going to hear it out. And the Bible says the following. And they say unto him, where is Sarah thy wife? And he saith, lo, in the tent. And he saith, returning, I return unto thee about the time of life, and lo, to Sarah, thy wife, a son. That's Genesis 18, verse 10. Verse 11, and Sarah is hearkening at the opening of the tent, which is behind him. And Abraham and Sarah are aged, entering into days. The way of women has ceased to be with Sarah. Verse 13 is where we are going. And Sarah laugheth, that means she laughed, in her heart saying, after I have waxed old, I have had pleasure. My Lord also is old. Then notice verse 14. And Jehovah saith unto Abraham, Abraham, why is this Sarah hath last saying, is it true really I bear and I am aged? Is anything too wonderful for Jehovah? At the appointed time I return unto thee, thee about the time of life, and Sarah hath a son. Notice, the Bible says, Sarah laughed in her heart. But God responds. Remember, Abraham is talking to Jehovah. And God responds as if she said it audibly. This is key. The number one action when you are going to say, am I walking in faith? Are you converting your faith to words audibly? That's when you're asked in the coffee shop. But also, are you converting your faith into words internally? 
both of which stand before God. Now think about it. When we say words internally, we are talking about thoughts, imaginations, memories, and perceptions. I'll go over the list again. Thoughts, imaginations, memories, and perceptions. When I think of what I am going through, how do I imagine it's going to turn out? That means how do I see myself when this thing is done? How do I remember? That means how do I look back at the things I've gone through? Do I begin to regret? Do I begin to wish I had done things differently? Do I begin to wish I had compromised a little bit? Does my faith in God begin to shake when I look back and think, well, God, you know what? I must have missed my season. And perceptions. Do I look at myself like Sarah looks at herself and said, the facts say I am too old to ask for what I am asking. Please hear me well. All of those things stand in the presence of God, just like you were speaking audibly. Psalm 19 verse 14 refers, the Bible says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Please remember, the question number four is, are you willing to take an action based on what you believe? The number one action that God wants is that, are you willing to say it in prayer, confession, or declaration based on what you believe? And it's, there are lots and lots of stories, but I'll move on, okay? I'll move on. Um, so question number five. And then we've only got two more to do after that. Question number five is this. And I'm going to put it into the, into the chat. Let me get it to everybody. All right. Question number five is, are you ready and willing for God to do it any way he wants? <laughs> oh, I love this one. Sorry. Um, I absolutely love this. Please remember, this is a question you have to ask yourself. When you're standing in faith, you must, you know whether or not you're standing in faith if you are willing to allow God to answer your prayers anyhow he wants, not just anyhow you want. Now, let me keep, let me put this in context. Um, this is key. Faith comes from the word of God. The word of God has certain characteristics. One of them is that it is infallible. We find that in Isaiah 55 verse 11. But we also realize in Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9, and I'm going to read it from the Amplified Bible. Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9. God says the following. Verse 8 and 9. Here we are. Now remember, the Bible says, God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Let me put that in simple terms. That means God will answer your prayers in a way that you probably have not imagined. Let me give you a list of examples. And I'm going to read the examples from what we're looking at. In the examples we looked at, the following were countercultural. There's that phrase again. Samaritans hated Israelis. So when the Samaritan leper decides to come to Jesus, that is found in Luke 17, verses 11 to 19, he was acting counterculturally. He comes to an Israeli who every, normally they should hate each other. But he comes, worships Jesus, and Jesus says, your faith has made you whole. The Romans were oppressors. They were an invading force. The centurion comes to an Israeli 
prophet, who they also say is the king of the Jews. And he asked him, heal his servant. Listen carefully. That's totally countercultural. Number three is when you look at the story, and now this is one of the lovely stories, um, Luke 7, verses 37 to 50. It is also in Matthew 26, 7 to 13. And it is also in Mark 14, 3 to 11. So that I'll put one reference there for it, just so we can go through it. Um, just so you have it for your reference. Luke 7, 37 to 50. What Mary did was totally countercultural. She was deemed a sinner. She was deemed the lady of the night. She was deemed somebody, the Bible says, a notable sinner. The Bible then says she decides to touch a prophet. That's not done in Israeli society. Her washing Jesus's, washing his feet with her tears and pouring oil on his head, totally countercultural. Let me put it in context. Are you ready to allow God to answer your prayers anyhow he wants? That means whoever he wants to, he sends help through. Are you allowing him to say, God, you know what? I leave it in your hands. Whoever you bring, let's say it's marriage, let's say it's the job, wherever you say I should work, even if no one else in my cater will be willing to work there, Lord, I trust you. This is where you realize that you're walking in faith. That means you will be able to do something that makes no sense to the majority of everybody else. Because faith in, because it is the will of God, goes against the grain many times of normal human thinking. I have too many examples to give you but I want you to think about that question. And I'll give you a personal example. There are times when I've been going through a difficult season and I will say, God, you know what? Bless me or sort this out or call someone to remember us. But then I'll add a caveat, but not this person. For whatever reason, even if it's the best of intentions, or I will say, God, you know what? This person's going through a, as, a time as difficult as mine. How can you use them to bless me? So I want you to realize, are you willing to allow God to answer your prayers in any way he wants to? If you are at that point, then ladies and gentlemen, you're walking in faith. Because the Bible says God has planned the solution to your challenge in a way that you may not have imagined, in a way that you may not have thought of. Let me keep going. There's only two more. Um, and the, the last one is, let me put this in the chat. Question number six that we need to answer when looking at faith is this. In your heart of hearts, do you believe that it is already done? There are times where and I want you to look at the, the example. The example to, to, we use is the example of the centurion. You'll find that story in Matthew 8, verses 5 to 13. And I'll read it. And I'll read it in, um, I'll read it in, in the modern King James. It's, 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 it's a lovely story. Matthew 8, and we're going to read from verse 5. And the Bible says the following. And when Jesus had entered into Capernaum, a centurion came to him, beseeching him, saying, Lord, my son lies at home paralyzed and grievously tormented. And Jesus says to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak the word and my boy will be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And I to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard, he marveled and said to those who followed, truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith, no, not in Israel. Verse 11, and I say to you that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 12, 
but the sons of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Verse 13. And Jesus said to the centurion, go, as you have believed, so let it be to you. And his boy was healed in that hour. Please keep this in mind. The most famous verse on faith is Hebrews 11 verse 1. And that is, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Let's keep this in mind. Let's answer this question. This is the question we've got to answer. That even though I am asking God, I'm confronted by a really challenging situation. And there's some people who I'm, listening, who I'm talking to who are probably facing that situation. Do you actually believe that deep down and in your heart of hearts that what I am asking God for, it is already done? How do we know? One of the number one indicators is actually quite simple. You stop worrying. It's like asking that very trusted person or friend that if you ask them for something, you realize that your problem has become their problem. And if they say they're going to get it done, they're going to get it done. That's what we're talking about. This is, what, this is an indicator that you are walking in faith. It is that God, although I do not see it yet, it is already a reality. And therefore, I will line up my thoughts, my words, and my actions with what I believe because it is going to happen. It's the same way a child will clear a space in their bedroom for a bicycle they have been promised on Christmas Day. They have effectively, they've already got it. It's like going to a shop that you have bought something on the internet from, and let's say you have to go and pick it up physically, and you take the size of car to fit what you have purchased. You believe that you already own what you have paid for. Now, please keep this in mind. When you come to God in faith, the question you have to ask yourself is, do I believe deep down that even though I cannot see it yet, God is faithful to his word, faithful to his nature, faithful to history, and that he will do it on my behalf? That question is a definitive one because it is, is it in your eyes already done? And it will govern three areas, how you think, how you speak, and how you act. The centurion said, Jesus, I'm actually not worried. Just say it. He had synthesized his faith into, it was so much a part of him that Jesus said, you can go home. What you've asked for is done. Please keep, that's question number six, okay? Last one. And I think, to be honest, this one is key. Sorry, let me just copy it. It's quicker than typing it. Question number seven. Ask yourself this question. And this is the one we must answer, and it's this. Am I still afraid, worried, or doubting? And here I want you to focus on one thing alone. Fear in its simplest form is the belief that God will not do what he says he will do. He will not be who he says he will be and he is unwilling to do for you what he said he would do. Where do we see fear show up for the first time? We see it show up for the first time in Genesis 3. In Genesis 3, after man fell, the Bible's Adam says to the Lord, I was afraid when you came into the garden, meaning he was uncertain that God would be everything he said he would be to him. Faith and fear do not exist in the same space. They don't. You cannot be afraid and say, 
I believe. No. The Bible says, I'll look if turn with me to Luke 8. And Jesus makes a point. Jesus has come and he's following Jairus, Jairus to go and heal his daughter. The woman with the issue of blood touches him. There's a delay. The whole crowd slows down. The woman is healed. She's sent off. They start going to Jairus' house. And the Bible says, someone comes from Jairus' house and says to Jairus, do not trouble the master anymore. She's dead. Jesus makes a definitive statement. And this is what I want you to remember. Luke 8, verse 50. But Jesus heard. He answered him saying, do not fear, only believe and she shall be healed. Remember, our faith is in God, God's ability, God's integrity and God's willingness to do something. So when you believe the word of God, the question you have to ask yourself is, am I waiting with trepidation for the day to come when it looks like it's going to be all over? Please hear me. This is one of the key indicators. Am I standing in faith or not? If you are still afraid, do not be afraid to ask God to, for help. Do not be reluctant to say, God, you know what? You've got to help my faith here. Um, the book, um, let me find it for you. Um, I, I can't remember. There's one particular verse that came to mind. I'll remember it. But the key element is this. I think it's, it's, uh, it's this is the kind of thing that bugs me. Let me, so I'm going to search for it. Um, Holy Spirit, you've got to help. The phrase is, help my unbelief. Yes. Mark 9, 23 and 24. Mark 9, 23 and 24. Jesus has just made a statement. He says, I'll read it from the Amplified Classic Bible. And this is where we will, I'll pause after this. This is number seven, so this is the last one. And then I'll take questions for a few minutes and then we'll wrap it up for this, for this week. Mark 9, 23. And the Bible says, from 23, and I'm reading from the Amplified Classic, and this, is, uh, this drives home the point. And the Bible says this, And Jesus said, You say to me, if you can do anything, why all things are possible to him who believes. At once the father of the boy gave an eager, piercing, inarticulate cry with tears, and said, Lord, I believe, constantly help my weakness of faith. And the Bible then says, Jesus notices the crowds and heals his son god will help you believe so the question you have to ask yourself is am i still afraid worried or doubting if it if i am then you go back to the beginning you read study meditate and confess and confess the word of God until you're at a point where the fear that is no longer there. All right. I've got two questions. I'm going to go through them and then we'll go from this. So those are the seven questions you have to answer that and they will indicate whether or not you believe God. The first one. Um, okay. I'll go for the first one. Is it possible to take an action when you've not fully discovered what God says, even though it's based on what you believe from what you know of and about God? The danger is this. Psalm 119 verse 49 is clear. The Bible says, O Lord, remember your word to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. The Bible then goes on to say, this is my comfort in my affliction. This is my confidence. F 
take before you take an action. Before you take an action. Find out what the Bible says. Because Romans 10, 17 is infallible. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Because if there is any doubt, it will be exploited by the enemy. And the parable of the sower says, your promises will either be stolen, halted, literally killed off, and you won't get to a harvest. Please keep that in mind. If you don't know what God says, please go and find out. Take the time. And you know what? Remember, you have help. John chapter 14, verse 26, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is your teacher. He will teach you all things. So be honest enough to say that, I don't know what to do. And the Bible, and he will guide you just like he did. I, I forgot the scripture a few moments ago. And you know, those quiet prayers you prayed, the Holy Ghost, you know what? I, I can't let it go. And he was the one who said, you know what? Use a confidence. This is the conversations you've got to have with the Holy Ghost. Talk to God. If you don't know what God says, you are acting in presumption. Presumption means I know half, but I don't know all. But you know what? It's hazy enough and you're jumping, hoping God will catch you. That's where we have challenges. Don't do something until you're sure of what God says, because that's the foundation. All right. So keep that in mind now. Um, and so hopefully that helps. All right. The second question we've got is, um, what do you do when God answered your prayers, but because it did not come the way you thought, thought it, you did not fully grab the opportunity due to fear. Do you trust him to bring the opportunity back or believe for a new opportunity, particularly after weeks and days of repenting of the fear, then let's put this in context. The what do you do? The opportunity came and you didn't grab it. Then ask the Lord that, Lord, I apologize. Please bring it back again. And the Bible says he will do so. He will do so. Because let me, let me find it. Um, I'm going to go to... First John 1, and I'm going to read to you verse 9. The Bible says, if we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, he is faithful and just. And this is what I want you to remember. He is faithful and just, true to his own nature and promises, and will forgive our sins, will dismiss our lawlessness and continuously cleanse us, from all unrighteousness, everything not in conformity to his will, in purpose, thought, and action. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to remember, God loves you. And because he loves you, if you missed it the first time, the question is, if your child doesn't get it right the first time, will you then burn the present because they didn't say thank you or whatever? No, you won't. In the very same way, God is true to his nature. He wants you to learn. And so if the opportunity came round once and you didn't get it, when you line up with him, he has the ability to bring the opportunity around again. Um, for that person, there's a scripture you can hold on to, Psalm 103, verse 5. And the Bible says that God will satisfy your mouth with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles, strong, soaring, and overcoming. Now, what does that mean? God is, has the ability to give you yesterday back. He can bring the opportunity round so you can have it a second time. But forgive yourself and trust God again. Very good question. Very honest. Um, another question. How do you balance the difference between plan B and just being sensible and considering all options as the Bible says, so in the morning and in the evening. Now, these are two different things. Having a plan B is that, God, if you don't do it, I'll go somewhere else to get somebody else to do it. That is different from saying, God, there are a variety of contingencies. I believe that I trust you to do it. While I'm waiting for you to do it, 
I will do all the things that I have to do. Like I'll make sure all the bills are paid. I will make sure my, while I'm believing for you to let's say, take me out of debt, I'll make sure all the payments are paid. I'll keep my credit up to scratch. I will make sure that the credit card company gets their payments because that's what you want me to do. That's my responsibility. I signed up for the agreement. I am asking you, Lord, to take me out of it and you will miraculously do so. But until then, I will do what is required. It's very similar to you knowing that God is going to do something for you. And until he does, you do whatever your hands find to do. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3 in the Amplified Bible puts it better than I can. The Bible says the following. Um, I'll read from one to three. The plans of the mind and orderly thinking belong to man, but from the Lord comes the wise answer of the tongue. All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits, the thoughts, and the intents of the heart. Verse three, roll your works upon the Lord, commit and trust them wholly to him. He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will, and so shall your plans be established and succeed. Now, what, when I say that, are you considering a plan B? It's this. It is God. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll give you an example, um, a really quick one. I was in the process of sorting something out outside of, of the country, and somebody asked me, are you, are you willing to do something illegal, even though it may risk the, the whole deal is at risk. I said, no, that is what I mean by not having a plan B. That means I will do what God says, even if it costs me everything. What we were trying to sort out, sort it out as God wanted it to sort out. And that worked great. But this is the key. So it doesn't mean you become reckless or foolish. So have, do all your planning, but keep in mind that the person who's going to make even the best plans come to pass is God. He's going to make sure all the ducks stay in a line and the plan becomes a reality. I hope that answers your question. It's actually a very, very good one. Um, um, this one, it says, Sir, in other words, when we say we have faith, it is as though we have the thing in our possession, literally. Let's put it in context. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That means it is real somewhere. It is just not in your hands yet. That means when you believe God, it is as good as someone saying on Christmas Day, I will give you a bicycle and you start taking lessons to, or you, someone says, I'll give you a car, and you take lessons to drive a car, because you are so confident that what you have asked for is yours. That, I hope, helps with that. I won't go too deeply into it because of time. Um, last two, what if you know what he has said, you believe the promise, but the promise is taking time to come? How do you handle the delays? That is such a good question that I will, if you don't mind, I will take that question and I'll expand it into a series, a Bible study series in the next few weeks or, or, or in the next few weeks. That's a great question. How do you handle the delay in between the time that you're waiting for the promise and the time that the promise comes? One of the key things you must realize, let's use Abraham's story in Genesis 20. It is literally trust God, control what you say, and be kind to others. All of which are triggers for miracles. Trust God, control what you say, be kind to others. In the interim, those three things trigger miracles. Remember, God will keep his word. The last thing that's our last question. So ladies and gentlemen, today, if there's any other questions, you can send me an email. Um, we are a few minutes over and I sincerely apologize about that. Um, I hope you've had a good series. I hope you've enjoyed it. 
And so I wish you the very best. And I pray a very simple prayer for all of you. May God cause all that you are asking him for. May God cause your faith to become real. May God cause your, what you are believing God for to become realities in your life. I join my faith with yours and I pray that miracles come out of it. God bless you, ladies and gentlemen. Have a wonderful evening. And we again apologize for going over a little bit. I apologize for that. And yes, they are recorded. You can go onto the podcast to listen to them. If you search for Bible studies now, we're on there. And so you'll get all those details. Have a wonderful, wonderful week, ladies and gentlemen. God bless you. 